like a cool, refreshing drink of water. Here comes Short and Sweet Parenting Tips. Welcome to Short and Sweet Parenting Tips, episode 19. Wow, we're on part 3A of my cell phone series. This episode in particular is a must-listen for every parent of a tween or teen because we'll reveal how social media targets your kids by making their apps irresistible and near impossible to put down. We'll also examine the whys, which will be easier to explain after we explore the hows. Because there is so much I want to cover on this topic, I actually divided part three on social media into two sections, A and B. In part B next week, we'll cover the ins and outs of managing your kid on social media and another acute danger to letting your kid have unsupervised use of these apps. You may be saying, Anne, you're blowing this whole social media thing out of proportion. It's a harmless way for our kids to keep in contact with their friends. Sure, I love that our kids can stay in touch with their friends, especially during COVID. However, social media apps are not some neutral, disinterested party. Behind each social media platform is a company that has a very deep interest in the users of their program. This doesn't come from me, and please don't take my word for it. I'm basing this on interviews with execs and programmers from these social media apps who openly talk about the way their programs seduce and manipulate users. Those aren't my words, they're their words. I strongly suggest you watch the documentary on Netflix called Social Dilemma. It incorporates interviews with many of the social media execs who explain how they systematically use psychological manipulation. One such method is Positive Intermittent Reinforcement, or PIR. Intermittent reinforcement is defined as unpredictable random rewards in response to a repeated behavior. Think Pavlov's dog? Scientists and psychologists call PIR the most powerful motivator. So is it naive to think that it's a coincidence that the majority of phone apps use PIR? Let's dig a little deeper into the science behind why this is so compelling. First, parents, let's picture our own cell phone use. You know, those little random bonuses in our favorite phone games. How about getting a like on our most recent Facebook post? Or even finding just the link we're looking for in our Google search. All of these give us a little zing of happiness. In reality, it's a shot of the hormone dopamine. A lot of us know about dopamine, but here's some info that was new to me. In a Psychology Today article called The Dopamine-Seeking Reward Loop, behavior scientist Dr. Susan Weinshank says, Dopamine causes you to want, desire, seek out, and search. It increases your general level of arousal and your goal-directed behavior. End quote. She explains that dopamine never brings us to a state of being satisfied. Dr. Weinshank further explains, if there is a small, specific cue that signifies that something is going to happen, that sets off our dopamine system. So when there's a sound or a visual cue on our phone that a notification has arrived, that cue enhances the addictive effect. It's not the reward itself that keeps the dopamine loop going. It's the anticipation of the reward. End quote. Video games call these dopamine rewards a compulsion loop. Compulsion loops are used in gambling, but they're also responsible for the uncontrollable cravings associated with nicotine and drug use. Bottom line takeaway, dopamine is addictive, and companies and advertisers know it. 
We're talking psychology here, and it just floors me how social media uses it to manipulate us, adults and kids alike. According to Dr. Barbara Jennings from Sandia National Laboratories, the compulsive addiction isn't to the cell phone. It's to the dopamine that adolescents get every time they receive a notification. Everything about this technology is made to rope us in, from the alerts to how many texts you see on the screen. End quote. Consider again the games you play, the social media, the messaging platforms. Really, think about it. How do these apps use rewards, sounds, and pop-up visual cues? What about it brings you back for more? I'll give you a moment to think it over. I didn't mean to get too technical there, but I wanted you to understand that there is science and intentional psychological manipulation behind the addictiveness of social media, game apps, and even messaging programs. Companies leverage this dopamine craving so they can get more and more interaction from users, any user, even kids. Why, you may ask? <laughs> because of advertisers. Most of these programs are free to us, right? I've heard this more than once recently, but when you have an app or program that's free, you are the product, my friend. App companies sell our views to their advertisers. If an app gets more views, they charge advertisers more. These programs track what you watch, your searches, and the topics you're interested in so they can give their advertisers data to more specifically target you. You enable their tracking by giving them permissions when you download their app. But why would they target your kids? According to a Lexington law firm study this year, America's 42 million teenagers have $109.2 billion in discretionary spending. That's $109.2 billion with a B. You bet those advertisers want to worm their way into your kid's psyche and get their share. The first time I heard about how cell phones can be a dopamine trigger for youth was on a video special about millennials in the workplace by author and leadership expert Simon Sinek. His description really resonated with me, so I'm going to share a part of it with you. If you're interested in the whole video, I'll post the link on the Short and Sweet Tips Facebook page, of course, with the other articles referenced here too. Sinek starts with the scenario of a youth feeling a little down, so they text hi to 10 of their friends. Just by getting a response back, the kid gets a rush of dopamine that makes them feel better. They didn't have to smile or exercise, which are healthier paths to raising dopamine levels, because they have their phone. As we explored above, the dopamine is the exact same chemical that makes people feel good when they smoke, drink, or gamble. Sinek says, we have age restrictions on all those things, but not on social media or cell phones. It's like, opening up the liquor cabinet and saying to your teenager, by the way, if this adolescence thing gets you down, well, that's basically what's happening. This entire generation has access to an addictive, numbing chemical called dopamine through social media and cell phones, just as they're going through the high stress time of adolescence, end quote. He ends by pointing out that people who spend more time on Facebook have more depression than those who don't. Too much alcohol or gambling is bad. In moderation, it's okay. Social media is okay. Too much is an imbalance. End quote. So moderation is definitely a takeaway here, but it's so hard to find this balance, especially with FOMO or the fear of missing out. Even as adults, we don't want to miss that one post that has everyone talking. 
or feeling left out when we see a group picture posted at an event that we missed. I appreciate the fact that most social media apps do have some kind of age limit. Even so, it goes without saying that age and maturity of your kid have a huge role in whether or not you let them have access to social media. In some cases, they may be old enough by the app's standards, but I want to empower you to decide whether or not your kid is ready and how you might manage their use of social media. Even though it's super easy for a kid to get around the age restrictions by lying about the year they were born, it still doesn't mean they should have access. Quite the opposite. The age limit is there for a reason. You know, many of the adults I know have had problems with social media, and I feel like I can safely say that all of us have had our feelings hurt by someone on Facebook. Am I right? And as adults, we have the coping mechanisms necessary to counteract the negative effects of social media. In contrast, our kids and teens haven't quite developed these techniques, let alone acquired the emotional maturity to be able to take that drama in stride. And... Ooh, the drama. (laughs) But not just drama. Free access to edgy, X-rated, and inappropriate content. F-R-E-E. My husband and I learned the hard way that even Pinterest is not benign. Users post explicit pictures and graphic memes galore. If your kid uses Pinterest, at a minimum, please change the app settings to turn off suggestions based on their previous searches. In fact, I would recommend this for all similar apps. Even if your kid isn't on social media, they can unknowingly access inappropriate stuff, especially if you aren't monitoring their usage and limiting their content. I cover parental control apps in part two. Well, that's about all we have time for in this first half of part three on social media. Come back next week to get essential information about social media that we weren't able to cover today, including some other dangers that most parents could not imagine happening to their children. This was an incredibly difficult series to make, and if you're still hanging in there, thank you so much for traveling this difficult pathway with me. As I said in part one, I don't say these things to scare you, but to empower you with the information and tools to keep your kids safe from any number of damages that unmonitored cell phone use can lead to. Short and sweet parenting tips, fresh ideas in bite-sized portions. 